Gracious God, we thank you for bringing us safely to a brand new week, and we pray that you would preserve us with your mighty power, that we may not fall into sin nor be overcome by adversity or anxiety, and in all that we do, direct us to the fulfilling of your purpose. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Evie, will you read Jonah 4? But this was very displeasing to Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was still in my own country? That is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and ready to relent from punishing. And now, O oh Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry? Then Jonah went out of the city and sat down east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade, waiting to see what would become of the city. The Lord God appointed a vine and made it come up over Jonah to give shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was very happy about the vine. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the vine so that it withered. When the sun rose, God prepared a sultry east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint and asked that he might die. He said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the vine? And he said, yes, angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, you are concerned about the vine for which you did not labor and which you did not grow. It came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not be concerned about Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 people who do not know their right hand from their left and also many animals? Thank you, Evie, for that wonderful reading of Jonah 4, and thus ends the very short and brief book of Jonah with a question, a question that God is asking Jonah, and in a sense, the same question God asks us, should I not be concerned about all people, not just, quote unquote, my people, the people of Israel, um, whom the Old Testament often refers to as a vine God planted, but should I not be concerned about the whole creation, about Nineveh, and should you not be concerned as well? And that's really going to be the focus of our conversation. But to back it up a little bit, we start at verse one, but this was displeasing to Jonah. If you weren't here last week, this has a very clear reference. It is the last verse of chapter three, where we're told that God changed his mind about the calamity that he said he would bring upon Nineveh. Basically, God decides not to destroy and punish Nineveh, and this is what Jonah finds to be displeasing, that God will not punish, and, and Jonah's anger is tied to God's choice to show mercy, and even though that is explicitly stated in the text in verse 1, it's then reemphasized in verse 2 when Jonah says that the reason I fled to Tarshish in the first place is because I knew that you were gracious. I knew that you were merciful. I knew that you're slow to anger. I knew that you were abounding in steadfast love and that you were going to end up saving these people that I'm so eager to see destroyed. And on the one hand, that sounds really ridiculous. I mean, what a petty and silly thing. 
But we are invited to see ourselves in this refusal on Jonah's part to love the mercy of God. I I often see this as an embellished aspect of something that lives inside all of us. And so a question for us to consider is, where is it that we actually resist God's mercy? God's mercy shown to us, or maybe God's mercy shown to other people. Where is it that we really don't like that God is slow to anger? I mean, how many of us want God to be a lot angrier than God is and to get and to punish the people who perpetuate uh, so much injustice in this world, right? This is what Jonah has a problem with. Now, it's not going to be Jonah's own problem, which we'll see in a bit, but his fundamental problem is that God wants to show mercy to people whom Jonah wants to consider an enemy and whom Jonah wants to see punished. And in verse three, he basically says, my life doesn't make sense. Please take my life from me. It is better for me to die than to live. And we recall from chapter one that Jonah has already tried to die and volunteering to basically be thrown overboard from a boat in a hurricane. So this is not the first time Jonah has basically tried to run away from God's mercy by having his life end prematurely. And so there's a question that the Lord asks Jonah twice in this chapter. Is it right for you to be angry? Is it right for you to be angry? God asks this question in verse four, and then again in verse nine. And it's a question that God asks each of us. Is it right for you to be angry? Sometimes the answer to that question very well might be yes, right? Sometimes it is appropriate for us to be angry, but the appropriateness of that anger translates into clarity about how to act in such a way that love, goodness, and justice come into the world. But that's not what we're dealing with with Jonah. Jonah just wants to see people destroyed. And so it's actually not right for Jonah to be angry. Jonah has forgotten that his whole existence, and in particular, the existence of the people to whom he belongs, is a gift. And those people are symbolized by the vine. You'll notice in verse six that the NRSV translates the Hebrew bush, and I crossed it out and wrote the word vine, which other translations of the Bible use. And the reason bush is an unfortunate translation of the Hebrew is because the vine is a deeply symbolic, meaningful archetype symbol uh, in the Old Testament and the New. And so, for instance, we can consider what it says in Psalm 80, you brought a vine out of Egypt, you drove out the nations, you planted it, you cleared the ground for it, it took deep root and it filled the land, right? The vine is the people of Israel. God took this vine out of Egypt and prepared a special place for it. There's so many parables in the New Testament about a vineyard, which of course is symbolic for God's chosen people, the Israelites. And then in the Gospel of John, what does Jesus say? He says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine grower. The reason this was so deeply offensive is because the people of Israel were thought to be the true vine. And Yahweh, the Lord, was the vine grower tending that vine of the ethnic people of Israel. And, and, and more specifically, by the time of, of Jesus, it was really the, a lot of it was the tribe of, of Judah. 
who had returned from the exile. But here comes Jesus and says, no, I'm the vine. In me, all Israel is contained. I am the true one who will be planted and give shade to all the nations. And so we've talked about this in this study, but one of the things that happened with the people of Israel over time, at least as portrayed in the Old and New Testament, is that they lost touch with their vocation to be a light to the nations so that God's salvation would extend to the ends of the earth. That's what Isaiah says the plan was all along. It's what God told Abraham, uh, I've given you so that through you, all the nations might be blessed. But over time, Israel lost touch with an understanding that they were to be a vessel through whom the blessing of God spread to everyone. And instead, they kind of became the frozen chosen and they turned inward. And there are a lot of understandable reasons for that. It's, it's kind of embedded in, in what we do as human beings. So I don't want to criticize them alone. I mean, we all do that to some extent. We do it in our particular denomination, in our particular tribe. But what God is calling Jonah to do as a prophet is to be a true prophet in that he is to enable the people of Israel to fully live into their vocation and to be a vessel through whom God's mercy and not punishment extends to the nations. And that's what Jonah doesn't want to do. So Jonah has lost touch with the metaphorical purpose of this vine we call the people of Israel. And so here the vine shows up symbolically and does what the people of Israel were supposed to do, to give shade, right? To, to, to give comfort, and so this vine pops up and, and does for Jonah what a vine is supposed to do. And Jonah's happy about the vine. But then the next day, the vine withers and goes away. And the point being made is something very similar to the point that Paul makes in Romans 9 through 11 is that, you know, the people of Israel, the church, anything we have, it's all a gift. The Lord can give, the Lord can take away. And the point is not that God's going to take it away, but the point is, it's not a right. It's not an entitlement. We're not the special people while the rest of creation is, is going to hell in a handbasket. And, and so this is what Jonah has lost touch with and what God is asking him to recover. And, and so when God says, is it right for you to be angry? The answer is no, right? The answer is that Jonah is clinging to something as an entitlement that can only be received as a gift. And Jonah doesn't get that. So he says to God, yes, it is right for me to be angry, angry enough to die. And so God says, you're concerned about the vine. And, and you had nothing to do with growing this vine. And again, this vine now has a double meaning. It is a literal vine that is covering the human being, Jonah. But it's also the people of Israel who did not grow their own existence. And what God says to Jonah is, basically, your concern is too small. Should I not be concerned about Nineveh? Should I not be concerned about the whole world? Should I not be concerned about all the people you've forgotten about who don't know their right hand from their left? Jesus says something similar from the cross when he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. They don't know their right hand from their left. And basically, the statement being made is that no one on earth knows their right hand from their left, and God's concerned about all of us. 
and that the great privilege of life is to participate in that work of mercy and life and knowledge and blessing and shade coming to all people and not to claim for ourselves something that we're not eager to see extended to others. And so some questions that this last chapter raises are what is God's ultimate concern? You know, what is our ultimate concern as Christians? Is our ultimate concern for a pleasant worship experience? Is our ultimate concern that the Episcopal denomination thrives? In which case, I think that the book of Jonah would say, there's nothing wrong with that, but that can't be our ultimate concern. Our ultimate concern is to see God's mercy extend to all people. And there's a lot here around anger. You know, twice Jonah says, I am angry enough to die. And I think that this chapter raises some interesting questions for us who often wrestle with anger over both real and perceived injustices. How do we handle that anger? What do we do with it? Do we nurse it? Do we express it? Do we stuff it? I mean, what is the appropriate thing to do with that anger? And then I think the final question this chapter poses for all of us is, who is your Nineveh? You know, I mean, for Jonah, these, these were bad people. They hurt him. They wounded him. They wounded his people. I, I don't know if Jonah had a right to be angry, but his anger was understandable. You'd be angry too, you know? So who has hurt you? And how is it that we see them, these people who have hurt us, through the same lens that God sees them, because God does see them a little bit differently.